everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of the Aviation Spotters Podcast. I am your host, Colin. I do want to apologize about last week with the delay in the episode. I do apologize about that. And, you know, as you guys saw from my Facebook post, I did have a bit of a scheduling conflict to try and get that episode out. However, the wait is over. Here we are on the new episode of the AVSP. So I got some feedback about the On This Day in Aviation History portion in the intro last week, and uh, I decided to keep doing it, but we're going to chop it up a little bit. Uh, some people said that is a little too clunky and a lot more information than they wanted, so what I've done is I've just scaled it down to one event per day. So, September 27th, 2011. All upon airways flies the first delivery of the Boeing 787 Dreamliner from Painfield, Washington to Tokyo International Airport. September 28, 1934. Lufthansa, Germany's national airline, flies their millionth customer. One million customers in 1934. So can just put that into perspective that, that long ago and how many people they've flown since. That's amazing. September 29th, 1988, NASA resumed space shuttle flights after grounded by the Space Shuttle Challenger disaster with STS-26. The reason why I put that one in there is there's a fantastic Netflix documentary uh, called Challenger, and I would highly recommend watching it and go checking it out. September 30th, 1975, this first flight of the Boeing AH-64 Apache. October 1st, 1969. The Concorde supersonic transport exceeds the speed of sound for the first time. October 2nd, 1966. The first flight of the Grumman Gulfstream II, which would then go on to be one of the most proliferated Bizjet families of all time. And finally, October 3rd. We're taking a throwback for this one, guys. October 3rd, 1785. Jean-Pierre Blanchard makes the first man balloon ascent in Germany. One of the first men to ever reach into the sky. Hopefully you guys like that form a little bit better of on this day in aviation history. So now let's move on to the interview. My guest this week is one of my best friends in the spotting community, and I actually asked him very short notice to come on. Uh, he is from Salt Lake City, Utah. His name is Chris Cagle. He tells some pretty interesting stories in the rarest aircraft he's ever spotted, and uh, a pretty good story with another friend of mine and myself. So make sure you guys stick around for the end for that one. Um, but anyway, guys, this was a good interview. Uh, so... Yeah, let's get to know a little bit my best friend, uh, Chris Cagle. We'll see you back here in a bit. All right, everyone, here we are, episode 12. Joining me today is my friend Chris Cagle from Salt Lake City. Chris, how you doing this morning? Doing good. Colin, how are you doing? Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, of course, man, no problem. Um, you know, you're one of my best friends in the spotty community, so I think I would... Had to get you on here at some point, but otherwise I'm doing good. The smoke finally blew out of Boise, and uh, 
you know, it's a little chilly, so winter's starting to, fall's starting to move in, I should say. So how's, how's the weather down there in Salt Lake? Just about the same. Uh, kind of cooled off uh, overnight, but uh, sunny, so we'll take it. And, uh, the smoke got cleared out as well here, so. It's, uh, that smoke was just atrocious. Oh, yeah, you, when I was up in Boise a couple weeks ago, that was the worst I'd seen this year. Yeah, it's not fun. Anyway, man, let's uh, let's jump right into it. So let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, where you where, uh, where are you from, and how you got into aviation photography and all that good stuff? So uh, I'm I'm just I'm from outside Salt Lake City in a town called Riverton, Utah. Um, I'm I'm born back east in North Carolina, but I call this place home. Been here for over 20 years now. Um, as far as like how I got into aviation spotting, uh, I first got into aviation when I was a kid. Uh, started getting into like uh, aviation magazines like combat aircraft and those things um, and so that just kind of progressed on I always loved the photography but never really had access to cameras or anything like that we we had like some film cameras but I didn't know how to use them um, after that uh, I think I got my first digital camera just a point and shoot back in 06 started using that didn't really know what I was doing either and then uh, finally got my first DSLR back in 2011 but uh, just always had an interest in aviation especially military aviation and uh, always like being around it so just since I never became a pilot or was in involved in the industry uh, photography was kind of the next best thing uh, to kind of get involved with it yeah and I know that uh, what you do for your job, it takes you all around the, the region. Uh, I know that's how we met years ago when you came up and we just started talk, talking, spotting and all that. But um, it's also pretty nice to have like a job where you're able to on your free time to do stuff like that as well, right? Yeah. So uh, I, I work sales. I've been with my company for quite a while now and part of my territory is Boise. So uh, like you said, that's how we got to know each other. I go up there for work, spend a couple days a month up there, and I don't really have anything else to do other than go spotting after work. So, um, luckily enough, Boise has a plethora of stuff coming in. Uh, you know, it's not like yeah. a it's not like a major airport where you got a lot of heavy stuff, but there's a lot of military action up there, surprisingly. Yeah, I mean, there can be. You know, a lot of people expect that, and you know, people then will come and they realize like it absolutely hosts because <laughs> it's just one of those things where it's like it can happen. Or it won't happen at all, and trust me, it, it normally doesn't. Oh but, yeah, I, I've been skunked there before several times, but yeah, it's, yeah. Just when you when you get lucky, it's fun. You know, it's it's just how spotting is. You know, sometimes you're gonna get stuff. Sometimes you're not gonna get anything. You're gonna strike out. Absolutely, that's that's great. That is that is so true. Um, so, what would you consider your home airport then? Uh, my home airport's just uh, Salt Lake City International, SLC. Um, it's about the closest to my house. Uh, realistically, the closest is one in West Jordan, but there's really not a lot going on other than, you know, light aircraft. But uh, I like doing Salt Lake City. Uh, try swinging by there a couple times a week to at least see what's going on. Um, it's pretty quiet right now relative uh, as far as, like, all the heavies and stuff like that uh, because of the coronavirus situation. But uh, – other than that, it's 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 still been really busy. Um, we get yeah. some military action in there. It's not a lot, but uh, but we do get our our fair share, uh, and, and it's been pretty spotter friendly. So I've, yeah, I've that's what it. I've that's what I've heard. And also, you have Hill right up the road as well, which I also consider another home airport because it's you know you know it's just right up the road. Yeah, it, it's about an hour from me, and I, I I do go by there. I I usually don't spot just on normal days up there. It's if if they're doing like a 
a large force exercise or, or a TDY, you know, another unit's got a TDY or, or, or a, uh, you know, what do you call it? A temporary duty. It's uh, what yeah, TDY like stands for, a detachment. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll go looking for like other aircraft. You know, I've seen the F-35s quite often, so I, I don't go, you know, just chase F-35s all the time. Um, but it's it's a it's a it's not the easiest airport to spot up a hill, but it's it's definitely got its opportunities. That it does, and I mean I tried spotting up there too as well, and it's it takes some effort to find a decent spot and to actually get yourself out there. I mean at the end of the day, also is you never know what you're going to get because it is a, a huge depot point for the Vipers, A10s. Uh, Raptors, C-130s, and plus that Air Museum out there too. So you really never know what you're going to get out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, some things just drop through and, and stop there on the way, you know, either to the east or west coast. So And F-117 on a truck bed that was uncovered. Yeah, <laughs> I, which I ha- happened to be in Boise when that came into the to Hill Museum. Yep. But uh, I have been there I to remember. visit a couple times since, so... That's always. I can't wait to get down there and see her in person. So hopefully they get. I want to get get down there when everything is assembled, and it's still hopefully in the strip paint because I would love to see it like that. So otherwise, um, so besides plane spotting, what else do you like doing outside of uh, aviation spotting? Because I know you're big into muscle. You're big into cars. I mean that's what we secondary talk about a lot is cars when we're together but uh what else do you have so you know other than cars you know i'm kind of a follow-on i, I like racing a uh, b- bunch of different racing indycar formula one stuff like that i don't attend a lot of races because there's not a lot in this region but uh mm-hmm. you know we do go me and my wife usually go to the long beach indycar race each year and that's a lot of fun actually really cool to go and take pictures down there as well yeah i know you you and your family like to be doing that hopefully i can join you but in enjoying you one of those days because I'd love to go out there and see a live race for once. Yeah, so. yeah, it's a lot of fun. All right, well, let's kind of move it on. So you said you started in 2006 with a point-and-shoot camera. Well, let's talk cameras. What had you used in the past? What do you use, what do you use right now? Uh, I can't remember the exact name of the one I've had. It was like Kodak Easy Share. It was like, you know, had a, yeah. had a pretty decent zoom on it for, you know, point-and-shoot. But uh, my first DSLR was a Nikon D3100 and, and just the kit lenses with it, the 55 to 300 and uh, 18 to 55, uh, a good starter package. I, you know, had a lot of really good stuff with that. Uh, I've now I've went through a D7000, D7100. Now I'm shooting two D500s. Is what's in my bag right now. Um, as far as lenses, I have uh, my main one is a the Nikon 200 to 500, which pairs really nicely with the uh, D500. As far as uh, short range, I have a 70 to 200 uh, from Tamron, and then uh, 15, or excuse me, an 18 to 55 uh, lens uh, to shoot short range. And then I also have a 300 millimeter f2.8 fixed focal length lens as well. Yeah, I remember when you rented the your first 300 when I flew down to Salt Lake, and then we did our one of our canyon trips. Yeah. I remember when you got that lens and you're using it down there. And I think at that point you were like, Hey, I'm going to get one of these, <laughs> yeah. the 300. So, oh yeah, that, that was my goal. And, and typically even, even with the crop sensor, uh, body, I still use my 1.4, uh, extender on it more often than not, uh, especially like yeah. Nellis, you know, for red flag days, stuff like that. But if I'm at an air show, sometimes it's easier just without it. 
but yeah, that, that, that lens, just the clarity on it's amazing. Uh, got it used, but it's, it, it works fantastic. Yeah. When I was down at Redfly for the last vlog, I rented the 1.4 extender for Canon and you know, it, it, it made my photos a little bit soft and all that. And also it bumped cause I used to shoot an F 7.1 as normal because at the focal length I was using went to f.8, so my aperture was screwed up at that point. And, it, you know, I just wasn't really impressed by it. And, yeah, I was using the 1.4 Mark III, the newest one, but it just didn't, you know, really feel that great for me out there. You know, I mean, granted, it was great after the night stuff, but otherwise it just really was a little too soft for me. I mean, yeah, I could tweak it up a little bit, but, you know, I... And then I took it off the next day, just used the straight 100 to 400, and, you know, it worked out great. But, I mean, I might give it another shot here, but this really wasn't too impressed by that. You know, I've, I've used my 1.4 with my 200 to 500, and, and while it works, it, it has the same issues. Like, it just doesn't, you know, act the same. Like, I'd rather crop in on, on a 500 millimeter than, you know, actually get up close with the 1.4 extender. Um, so I, I think those are, you know, probably made more for just the fixed focal length lenses um, because I, I see very minimal, if, if at all, uh, degradation uh, with my 300 2.8. Because with that, it, it, even though it does lose a stop or two on uh, the f-stop, I'm, I'm still able to shoot in the sweet spot that I like to, which is 7.1 as well. Yeah, and it's also probably because with the prime lenses, there's a lot less glass to do, and a lot less like you have to deal with the zooming and all that. Yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. A lot less, you know, don't really have all the moving parts, you know, and uh, you know, less issue of having alignment issues or anything like that. Well, um, and a D500 is for those that don't know, it's one of it's Nikon's top of the line crop crop body, and it's probably one of the best crop bodies out there. Uh, for those that do not know. All right, so you're a Nikon user in Salt Lake City. So, uh, what is your favorite airplane and airport to spot at? Uh, you know, as far as you know, my main go-to airport uh, when I can get there is Nellis. As far as like red flag, you know, I, I even like going down there when there's you know just normal uh, weapon school stuff going on. But, you know, more often than not, I'm down there when there's, uh, uh, either a green flag or red flag going on, maybe, maybe for the air show, um, uh, when they do have it, it's, it's, you know, few and far between anymore, but, uh, it's, it's a great air show when they have that. As far as like rare airports, like one that I, I would love to go to more often, uh, is, uh, RAF Fairford, whenever they have Riot. The, the arrivals and departures days for that is just beyond phenomenal. Um, just it's just bang 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 you will never I, I in my experience you'll never experience that much action all at once and that that much variety especially in the military world yeah that's i've been i've been on analysis with you plenty of times and you know that's that is it is a great airport especially when there's a big thing going on down there whether it be green flag red flag air show etc yeah, that's always a fun airport. You just never know what you're going to get out there. I mean, even because you even got McCarran, if you really want to brave the traffic and get bored, you sort of a McCarran, and there's always something that goes in oh, there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, what are your favorite aircraft currently to, to take photos um, of? Is it the F 35? <laughs> you know, I love shooting the F 35, but uh, kind of the main fighter I got into uh, was the Legacy Hornet, uh, F 18C. Um, that was my 
you know, really my first love as far as aviation goes. And I still, you know, still to this day, I get really excited when I see one of those. So, um, you know, I think that part of that's also because I've mainly grown up in the Air Force regions. And so you mainly see F-16s, you know, in my case, F-35s, a lot of other stuff like that. But just always, I've always loved the Hornet and, and every chance I get to see them, it's exciting for me. So. Um, not that I'm against the Super Hornet. I, I love seeing the Super Hornet as well, but there's just, you know, soft spot in my heart for the, for the, for the legacy bug. Yeah. And I agree with you. And you know, people out there, if you want to get the legacy Hornets in the U S with the Marines, you got a couple more years left because they just came out and they're going to be gone here within the next five years. Now that being said, there was an Australian cup or is it an American company that bought some of the old legacy Australian Hornets and they will be using them as aggressive aircraft, if I'm correct. And you also have the Canadians, but I mean, because uh, as in the U.S. Air Force or U.S. military, the Marines will get rid of theirs within the next five years. So get them while you can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what's your uh, your favorite airplane? You know, is it still still flying, or what? Like, what is your favorite airplane in general? Um, you know, I, you know, it always changes. I've never really kind of have a set favorite, but. Really, over the last several years, my kind of enigma, and I, I think you'd agree with this as well, has been the F-117 as far as flying. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yes, they've been retired technically since t 2008, but, you know, as most know, you know, they're flying out over the uh, Nevada Test and Training Range and out over the Pacific Ranges uh, a lot lately. Um, so they're definitely still being flown in some capacity. We don't really exactly know the exact reason, but... Um, that's one that I, I really want to catch. I, I, I never have caught one with, you know, since I got into my DSLR days, you know, obviously I got in at 2011 is after they were officially retired and I, I have a couple shots from my old point and shoot and, and they were terrible. So, um, you know, I've, I've gotten a couple, you know, static, you know, I got the one at, uh, Nellis, uh, luckily was able to, to go on, on base yep. for that. And then, uh, I've, I've got, I've got the. F-117 up at Hill, which that's been fun because uh, they're restoring it right there in front of everybody. Right now, if, if anybody doesn't know this, you can actually just see kind of the step-by-step -step restoration process of that bird right now. It's it's still in bare metal. Um, a lot of the control surfaces are still off, uh, but they've just got it sitting right there. Uh, you can see inside the, the weapons bay, uh, landing gear, you know, inside of those, those, have, those were never stripped. It's still the original paint from probably when they were stored or when that when that particular aircraft was stored. So it's it's really cool. You can get up close uh, with it, uh, along with a lot of other aircraft. So I highly recommend the Hill Air Force Museum if anybody's ever out that way. I agree with you on that. I always preach to go visit that museum. It is a wonderful museum and a wonderful collection they have in there. And I think every time that we've done a canyon trip together or even a red flag trip, I know we've always considered going out to Tonopah and going out there and seeing if we can get something flying. Um, it never has come to full fruition, but I know one day we're probably going to make it out there. And knowing our luck when we're together, nothing's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, if we're, if we're <laughs> but, planning on it, it's not going to happen. But No, it won't. And especially when, when we take in a lot of canyon trips together, more often than not, we have weather issues. Uh, I think, let's see, the last one, two... Our last four canyon trips were all weather crapped yeah. out. Yeah, we had the win we had the winds from oh, hell, yeah. clouds, more winds from hell, and more winds yeah. from hell. <laughs> and, and even since That's... then, I, I went up there earlier this year when uh, you know the COVID first started hitting. 
Uh, me and my dad were already on a trip down in that area, and so we're like, hey, let's just go and check the canyon out. You know, obviously, nothing's really flying through there, but, you know, we weren't doing anything else. We kind of wanted to see what it looked like normally anyway. But, of course, we got there, and it's fog, literally fog the whole time. <laughs> and, yeah, you, you could hear people were, you know, on the radio up above the, the clouds and the fog. But, yeah, and, of course... At the end of the day, when the fog finally cleared out, we had a Cessna fly through. No shit. Yeah, you actually got a Cessna <laughs> yeah, fly well, through? Yeah, well, I didn't photograph it, but I woke up to it. I was asleep in the car at the, the Father Crowley turnoff. I think my dad was out walking around. Uh, but I just closed my eyes, and I, all of a sudden I hear a bunch of commotion, the people out on the parking lot. And I, I think what he did, I think this guy in the Cessna kind of turned in uh, about midway through and then kind of went into the canyon and, and then went down. Uh, but they, they were getting their, yeah. you know, taking pictures, but because I wasn't really expecting anything, I didn't have my gear set up. Wow. I mean, as probably some, you know, Hornet pilot or some other pilot, you know, as this around just, you know, wanted to make a pass all he could, but I mean, that's been like, Hey guys, I got something through the canyon and get everybody's hopes up and it's a little 172. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's, it's something through the canyon at least because it actually was down in the canyon. Yeah. It wasn't deep. It was you know, about eye level where I was at almost, but it was, it was landlocked. Yeah, still, it's something. I bet everybody got so excited, like, oh my God, oh my God. And then a lot of people that go, they don't realize that the the unfortunate incident, that which happened last year, is probably going to hamper any more flying through for, for a yeah, while now. Yeah, that's what I'm expecting as well. But what about your, um, kind of going back to this, so what is just your favorite airplane in general that is overall? Overall, pro- you know... Probably, I would say, 747. Uh, you know, I've always loved the Queen of the yeah. Skies. That's just always been that, you know, it, it's always been pretty elusive to me, uh, especially when I was a kid, because I've always lived kind of in smaller, around smaller airports. Um, the mm-hmm. first time I can really remember one was like a Lufthansa. Or no, no, it wasn't Lufthansa. It was a United 744 that was probably, I'm guessing, was diverting from uh, Denver. Because whenever Denver gets thunderstorms in the summer, they'll divert aircraft our way. Uh, but you know, we've never had anything big for United. So yeah, I, my house where I was where I grew up, uh, it's right on the Salt Lake landing path, and so uh, you could see most of the aircraft coming in. But I remember being outside and saw that. But anyway, long story short, you know, I've just always you know loved seeing seven forty sevens. You know, I'm sure you probably agree. No, I absolutely agree, especially what you said about, you know, growing up in a small area, we don't get a lot of that. I mean, in Boise, Idaho, the biggest thing that we usually get on a daily basis is an A300. Um, UPS is up gauge to a 767, so that's the biggest thing we usually get on a daily basis. Um, you know, fortunately, you know, Mountain Home is a drive, and I'm able to get out there. Some stuff is going on, but I mean, it's just not the same as spotting here in Boise. And, you know, fortunately, we were able to get some 747s this year. Uh, for the guards deployment and that's you know that's kind of one of the air the, those airplanes that i stop anything and go see because it is a 747 granted they are cargo 747s but a 747 is a 747 no matter what variation oh, yeah. it is and you know just being able to see them especially right now with airlines just completely dumping their fleets you know Qantas, klm uh british airways 
you know, luckily Lufthansa came back and said, no, we're keeping 14 400s and the rest of the Dash A's. But, you know, it's just sad to see this, the demise of the 747 right now. It really is just a heartbreaking thing. Because, you know, if you look 20 years ago, you had the 200s and the 300s and the 400s, and they were the airplane. Like, that was it. I mean, there was nothing else. And then, you know, 777 started getting momentum, and then Airbus with the A330... And, you know, 787 came online, and that was that was really it. Yeah, they've just gotten so efficient with the two-engine two planes, and, and they're so reliable. You know, that back in the day, that's why they had the four-engine planes, was because they were afraid they would lose one or two. Um, you know, and there, there was a possibility of that happening. Now, you know, it's, it's almost unheard of for one engine to go out on a plane, let alone two. Yeah, especially with ETOPS now too, and ETOPS for those that don't know, standard for extended operation. So mainly extended over water operation. So that means if an aircraft loses an engine, it's rated for a certain amount of time. Um, for example, a 737 going to Hawaii has an ETOPS rating of 180 minutes. So it could fly over water with one engine for 180 minutes. Um, and I know, I think some other aircraft, I mean, that, that figure might be wrong. So please, if I'm wrong, let me know and please correct me. But a lot of other aircraft, I know, I think triple seven has 360 minutes of extended operation to get to a certain airport over water, which is incredible. Um, so that's, you know, that's another thing with, with twin bodies, which is started with a seven, six, uh, mainly for that purpose. But yeah, go look up ETOPS and that kind of explains kind of why people were very, not interested in a two-engine airliner back in the day for that purpose. Well, so do you have a, a least favorite aircraft to spot, Chris? Um, I don't know. I, I, I hate to put any down, but uh, probably, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of like seeing the CRJs. <laughs> you know, they're, 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 they're great yeah, you know, aircraft for their purpose, uh, but I, they're so ubiquitous here. You know, especially flying for Skywest, mm -hmm. uh, you know, through Delta Connection and as well as a few other airlines. They're just everywhere. Um, maybe maybe an EAR, ERJs as well. Just I'm just so used to seeing them, and, and they don't really have as much character as a lot of the previous regional aircraft, you know, like the, a lot of the prop planes. Did you ever get photos of the Alaska Skywest ERJs in Salt Lake? Because I know, I remember they used to fly them Boise Salt Lake every so often, and they came in from Portland or Seattle. I know I got them several times up in Boise. I can't remember if I've ever got them here in Salt Lake. I'd have to look back. Because yeah, those CRJs were, I remember when they came back into service, they, back in like, uh, it was 2015, 16, they were officially withdrawn from use. And then with the Horizon Pass shortage in 2017, they brought them back from the dead and they all came into Boise for refurbishment and re-entering the service. And I was actually, I, I, I don't, that was the first CRJ I ever actually actively tried to go spot. <laughs> Because it's just, yeah, because they're just, they're so rare, it's just in their own rights, because, you know, and they're in the old paint scheme, and at the time, they were tra transitioning to the new scheme, so every aircraft after 2016 for uh, SkyWest Alaska or Horizon Alaska was in the new paint job. These were still in the old, old paint job, which is pretty awesome to see. Granted, the E-175s in the revision scheme so the alaska scheme before the current one looked amazing and that was only aircraft 170 through 177 and then 178 in may of 2016 were all in the new paint scheme 
but um, seeing the first seven in the kind of that that paint looked really really yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, you know, whenever I would see one of those Alaska Sky West, I, I would go after them. As well as you know, if, if the actual Sky West painted aircraft come in here in Salt Lake, which you know, there's a few of them out there, I'll, I'll oh, go yeah. after them. Um, but you know, if it's like the Delta United, unless it's like the new United scheme, I'm not really, you know, yeah. I just see them so often. It's just, you know, I, I end up taking tons of pictures. I'm never probably going to end up going through them. Yeah. They're nothing too special, but you know, like in those situations, absolutely. All right. So I know the answer to this one. Hopefully it's the right answer, but what is the rarest aircraft you've ever spotted? Oh, you know, there's been quite a few. Uh, are, are you talking about the Aleutian here in Salt Lake? I am talking, I am talking so, about that you know, one. <laughs> I, I caught an eye. Tell us the story. Let's just, I wanna, let's tell, tell, tell everybody the full story of, like, from when you got there. So, and everything. Uh, this, this was back in, I want to say 2018. Uh, no, no, it was 2019. Because it was after I was at Riyadh, but... Uh, our friend Jordan uh, let me know. He's like, "Hey, I think uh, Ukrainian Air Force IL seventy six just landed at Salt Lake. He just happened to be tracking it on one of the tracking apps." And so I, I, I busted ass and and went and checked it out. Luckily, you know, I, I usually keep my gear on me when I'm when I'm working. Uh, but uh, I mm -hmm. I went up there and sure enough, it was sitting over there. But it was sitting on the guard ramp with the KC one thirty fives, which I thought was odd. Um, this was in the, you know, in the winter, it was like right after the new year, it's cold, but it was good light. But over there where the guard is, there's no place to sh get shots from off, off the, off airport, unless you're like ops. So anyway, uh, kind of wait around, nothing was going on. I saw them seal the aircraft up. So I pretty much knew they were done for that day. And so I tried, I, I came out really early the next morning and sure enough, they were getting ready to part. And so. Um, I just, I was able to, you know, even though you can't, uh, there's not a good spot to watch the aircraft or photograph the airport from the guard ramp. You can get over there close enough where, you know, you can hear, hear them start up and all that stuff. And the startup on that was the most insane startup I've ever heard on an aircraft. Just, it was almost like a, a, a melodic tune, like symphony. It, it's, it's hard to explain, you know, going from one, you know, one through four engine. It just, I've never heard anything start up like that and just have that smooth sound. But um, yeah, it, luckily, even though it was in January, you know, being here in Utah, we get a lot of inversion days during that time of the year. It's, it's usually cold. It was still cold, but uh, had great light and got him taken off. And, and luckily, the light conditions and the, you know, the position and all that just worked in my favor where I got just some awesome pictures. In fact, that was the first time I've ever had pictures uh, published. Uh, had one in combat aircraft. Yeah, but, uh, that's right. Yeah, I, I know IL seventy six isn't really rare uh, per se. Even in the U.S., you know, you get a lot of the Volga, uh, the private yeah, Volga cargo. Yeah, like the Volga ones. But uh, but this one was just unique because it was actual Ukrainian Air Force uh, aircraft coming in, and supposedly they were running some type of equipment uh, that they were that was going to be utilized out on the ranges for the F thirty fives. Yeah, and we actually just in Boise, we just got two RAF C-17s in Boise and, you know, back in Jan July when the first one came in and went to Mountain Home. So I saw it was coming in, so I ran my ass out to Mountain Home. And uh, as soon as I got to Mountain Home, it it, it changed its approach path and went right into Boise, <laughs> which yeah. sucked. 
Um, but, you know, luckily I got him taken off and I got the other one coming into land as well. But uh, seeing other Air Force's heavies in here is absolutely fantastic, especially being just an Eastern Bloc aircraft and Air Force in the United States is, plus the photos you got were absolutely amazing, especially with the, with the, with the bottom lit snow and the low winter light. You know, and just at that angle, God, that's probably one of my favorite photos that you've ever taken, honestly. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I just kind of fell backward into that one. I got, I got lucky. I, you know, owe a lot to Jordan yeah. for letting me know. I probably wouldn't have found out. But, yeah, it was just, it was awesome. You know, something I'll definitely Yeah, no, and that's, that's, a, that's a photo that should be printed out and framed and hung. If you ever get one of their patches, frame the patch with it. Yeah. So, but anyway, let's... uh. We already talked about Nellis and your red flag events to spot. So besides that, what other events and or locations outside of general airport spotting do you enjoy doing? Um, you know, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I like to do Boise when I'm up there. Um, I'm trying to think what a really good one would be. So what like other like like events like oh and like you know, that like sort of stuff. Air shows for the most part, you know, the air shows are the big for me. Um, you know, I love doing different air shows. Uh, I've gotten more into, you know, kind of more of the classic jets and the, and, you know, the old prop planes. Uh, I've really liked uh, chasing those more. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm, you know, as a younger kid, when I, I was always into the speed and, you know, still am, obviously, I'm still kid at heart, but, um, you know, love going after full afterburner aircraft, but now I'm, I'm looking more for, you know, some of these classics you don't see very often or, or might not see at all mm -hmm. uh, again. So I, I, I like seeing those rare stuff, kind of like when you and I went uh, with Jordan to the Prowler Sundown. You know, that yeah. was the last chance we were ever going to get to see those. And I'd never really been around Prowlers very much. So stuff like that, I, I really like going after kind of the rare stuff. And, you know, not, not, not necessarily just to say, hey, you know, I've got all this rare stuff in my collection, but just so I have an experience with them because, you know, a lot of these aircraft you won't be able to experience again. Yeah, what about, do you have, like, a specific favorite, like, air show that you've been to? Um, probably, I don't know, Grand Junction's one of my favorite just because of the location. Uh, it's usually got a really good setup as far as, you know, having aircraft taxi by, you're really close to the runway. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of space there to get a lot of static, so it's not the best if you're looking for a static show. Oh, yes, we, yeah, last year, the only stat military static was a Hawkeye and a C-130. Yeah, and, and so it, it you know, I, and there's been better before in years past. Um, so I don't know what happened with that one. They didn't even get an F-16 from uh, over in Colorado at Buckley Air Force Base. Yeah, that was do. weird. So, but uh, you know, it's it as far as like photographing the flying action, it's it's a great air show. You know, great light, great background. Um, you know, it's not very packed. You know, there's not a lot of people going there, so um, it's it's pretty you know, easygoing, you know, you go to some of these air shows like Riyadh and Nellis and you're just struggling to try and get around and seeing everything. And, mm -hmm. um, with that, even though, you know, with, with fewer, uh, statics, you know, it does suck in, in a sense, but it gives you more time to focus on the flying action. Um, you know, working on maybe trying to get something, you know, a shot that you never tried before, or, uh, working on your technique. You know, I, 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 you know, there's some aircraft that bore me, but I, I do like to work on my technique a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we, another location that we've, we've liked doing in the past was the Star Wars Canyon. Unfortunately, um, 
nothing's flying through there right now. But we had some we had some really good trips. I mean, we've we've been out there. I've been out there with you, I think, ten or so times, and then you've been a little, little out there uh, more than me, obviously, with your dad. But you know, we've got some we've got some pretty cool stuff through there when we've done our trips out there. Uh, let's see, F twenty twos, all variants of the F thirty five. Uh, uh, the Cobra, Super Cobra, and the and the Huey Venom. Uh, yep. One day, which I think I've never seen anything lower in the canyon. Harry, yeah. The Harriers. I know when we got the the VX thirty one Harriers. I remember we immediately freaked out. <laughs> yeah, I think that was that was about the one of the most exciting that times was, I think we've had. Yeah. Um. God. Mountain Home have fifteen there. <laughs> yeah, that one was. That one, we just happened to be at the wrong spot at the wrong time, or, or at that time. We, yeah, we should, we should have stayed at the amphitheater that day, but that was the day when my camera really started to crap out on me, because I never had, my camera always never liked going out there, so, you know, when the autofocus stuff started going on, and it didn't want to focus, oh, the nodded growlers, can't forget about that, when oh, my yeah. camera just decided to say, no, nah, I'm not going to work anymore, and here it goes, literally, so... We had the Nauta Growls coming over the ridge. For those that have been out there, you know, you know what I'm talking about. If not, just look uh, like a video of Star Wars Canyon. And the Nauta Growls are coming over the ridge, and Nautic is top gun. It's super rare for any Fallon birds to come down this far. And they come in over the ridge, and they do, like, one goes up over the other, and then, like, like goes inverted. So I'm getting my camera ready, and my camera goes, click, nope, shutter open, not working. And I'm literally freaking out. I literally pop the battery out, pop the battery back in, tap it a couple times on the side. Finally gets working. By the time I even get a sh like my camera ready to go, they're gone. And that sucked hard. Oh, yeah. I've no I don't think I've ever seen you that mad before. Um, I was ready to throw my equipment down into the canyon. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, 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 I could have... Could see you doing that. That was back when you had the what was it? The uh, uh, K30 with the uh, yeah, Sigma. The, yeah, the Pentax. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Still, that's yeah. a great camera though. I mean, I got some great shots with that camera, but yeah. That yeah, was... when it got to when it got to the end of its life, when it was starting to have you know those issues, it just you know worked great. But then when the one times when it would you know the few times it wouldn't work, man, that I, I would see you about chuck that thing. But you know, never yeah. never did see you. But, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know, at the canyon, too, uh, one of my favorite moments, too, is uh, I think it was the last visit we were there. The last, uh, last time we ever went was uh, we heard ambush on the radio, and we knew it was uh, oh, yeah. uh, VFC-14. Uh, I think, is it VFC-14? Yeah, the Omars. Yeah, the no, Omars. 13, 13. 13, that's right. Um, they were coming through, and, and, and when we heard ambush call sign, we knew who it was. And I think everybody on the mountain just screamed out and... and Enjoy. So you know, we got a couple a lot of, of people. A lot of people that day. Also, <laughs> too many. Too many people. Yeah, that was that was one of the, the probably the busiest day I've ever seen up there. But and then that was also the day where Joshua Control called out to like assessed and saying caution. I God, I wish I ever, I wish somebody recorded this when we had to play back. But said you know Cessna whatever it is uh, traffic three o'clock low level. F-18, 600 knots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't see very often a place where you got military going full on, but they still allow some civilian traffic. Through yeah. There. Um, God, I wish I recorded that from Steven Scanner. But, um, yeah, it's always been fun when we're able to do that, especially our events and all that. 
Um, so, well, all right, well, let's uh, tell us a little spotting story. You know, what, uh, you know, don't like a, like a fun time or something like that happened, Nesta. So uh, you already you've already been involved with this one, so you're you're well aware. But uh, back in early 2019, when you, me, and and Jordan Aaron's, we went to uh, you know we in fact we did a massive trip. We started out, flew, we all met at uh, in North Carolina, Raleigh, North Carolina. Went to the Prowler Sundown at Cherry Point. Uh, literally, as soon as we got done with that, jumped up back on a plane, flew back to San Diego, and then drove to uh, Yuma. Uh, to spend the night so we could go to the Yuma Air Show the next day. I, think, <laughs> I, I don't think we got into Yuma until like 3 a.m. 3 a.m., yeah. I was driving. and it, that, I was, that was passed out because yeah. you and Jordan snore so loud I can't sleep. So I was just <laughs> like, I need sleep. And so, you know, we, we were already running on fumes from having such a hectic day the day before, which was a, it was a great day. Well, well put it in perspective, 3 a.m. at that time was 6 a.m., on the east coast we left the east coast at 2 p.m that time so we have been traveling we have been doing our events i can't remember exactly how how long the time was but it was just absolutely just insane yeah i think we i think we got to cherry point at like 8 or 9 a.m yeah, and then we had to drop you off at New Bern. We had to we had to be out of there by like two thirty. We almost missed our. I actually almost missed my flight in Raleigh. Yeah, and um, that's and that's with pre-check. with Jordan. Yeah, with pre-check, <laughs> Jordan almost missed his. So you went through New Bern on American through Charlotte. Jordan went up through. He was with me through Raleigh Durham on Delta through Atlanta. Then I was on Southwest through Phoenix, and we all met in San Diego. You almost arrived. You know, it's funny. I arrived first, got to the rent a car. My credit card apparently wasn't working, so I had to use yours. Then you yeah. came along, then Jordan came waltzing in. We're like, hey, we just saw each other like six hours ago, and now we're all back together. Um, but, yeah, so then we got in the car. It was like a two-and-a-half-hour drive out to uh, Yuma, Arizona. And then, so we get to Yuma, we get to the hotel about 3.30. I am passed out at that point, and um, so y'all can let you continue telling the story at this point. So, you know, we woke up uh, ready for the air show the next morning. We uh, got up, you know, pretty decent time, went and got the breakfast. I think we were at a Best Western, so we had the, mm-hmm. the free continental breakfast. and Which, man, we destroyed. Know, yeah, I mean, it, it was great. It was delicious. And then we go back to the hotel room, and we're locked out. <laughs> yeah, we are locked out are, on the, and the air show. Our keys do not work. You know, literally keys don't work, and so we're like, okay, we'll just go get them rescanned. You know, it's, it happens. We get them rescanned. Nothing works, and we're like, uh, "Yeah, this isn't working either." That we go back up to the the front desk, and you know, we're starting to kind of freak out by this point. And, and they bring the on duty maintenance guy in, and he tries his little hand at it, and he just kind of, like, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. You know, kind of one of those like where he he doesn't have really full buy in. He doesn't really care. But all of our camera gear is inside that. It's not like we can just leave and you know, check out and, and, you know, come back later. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're trying to go to the Yuma air show that there's only one day. And we are leaving immediately after the air show too. We're driving back to San Diego and getting on a flight to Las Vegas. Yeah. We, you know, we're, you know, we have just all this other stuff still coming up, but, uh, but yeah, I remember I'm, I'm literally starting to 
think about just busting the window out to try and get into gear gear because you know this guy just didn't care and i think finally i think it was jordan that finally just started acting like he had like a heart condition and so so they they finally started really taking it seriously and they called like the main like general manager of the hotel and he finally came in about 20 30 minutes later it seemed like maybe it was less but it seemed it, it, it this all took forever and he finally came in and what had happened just the the locking mechanism just died it literally just died and they you know was kaput and so they had i can't remember what they did they had to basically reboot it or something and finally we were able to get in and get our stuff and the thing that really <laughs> i think the thing that really saved our butts for that show um you, you know how it is and, and anybody listening to the show knows how it, it, it is if you go to an air show where they've got the thunderbirds or the blue angels maybe the snowbirds the, there's a lot of people just going for that act mainly. And so the good thing about Yuma, they don't have those big acts. And so it kind of keeps the crowd down a little bit. And so yeah. even though we were running late, we still somehow by the skin of our teeth found one of the very last, you know, front row spots against the fence, you know, because we, we like being on the fence. We like getting the taxi shots. We like not having to shoot through somebody's head to try and get, get the shots we want. And so, yeah. you know, that, that, almost boshed our you know that portion of that trip for us uh you know that that trip overall you know really worked out really well you know we went to the canyon we went and did red flag even though red flag got scrubbed but we still got most of the stuff flying it was a strike eagle festa which was fantastic <laughs> yeah it was the only thing yeah i wish the saudi strike eagles had went up uh yeah, the Singapore guys went up still granted yeah send them you know hundreds of times yeah we don't see them very often no there. not at all no not at all <laughs> we do guys we do we're, we're being sarcastic we see them all the time <laughs> yeah you know that that's a good thing about boise being so close to mountain home you know you you can see them you know the singapore guys out at mountain home a lot and, and you get them fairly often flying through and doing yeah. uh, low approaches at boise yeah, every, a lot every... of a lot of people ask me about locations at mountain home um but i tell them you get the Eagles balancing up Boise so often, it's not worth wasting your time out there. Because, first of all, all the land out there is mainly private property or base owned. So if you don't know where you're going, you're trespassing. Simple as that. End of that conversation. But, a lot of times in Boise, a lot of the aircraft, when they come back from the ranges, they'll be able to shoot the approaches in Boise then go back to Mountain Home. But, you know, the most of the time when I'm at Boise, I'll usually hear them call in and I'll get a lot of the, the special tail photos in Boise and a lot of the other photos in Boise because they like coming here so often to uh, shoot an approach for practice. Then they go back to Mountain Home. It's a 10 minute, it's like less than a 10 minute flight in the, in the Strike Eagle. Yeah, and it, and it gives them some variation. You know, they only have one runway at, at Mountain mm -hmm. Home, so that it limits how much stuff can go on there and, and uh, you know having a the ILS system at Boise seems to be a big draw for them but yeah uh, you know yeah like you said out of mountain home there's a, a you know there's a lot of risk out there that you know that you're going out into not only the farmland where sometimes there's freaking animals running loose literally mm -hmm. um, you know I've gone out there and there's cows just literally out on the, yeah, the grazing, normal yeah. trails you know, and, and uh, on top of that, you, you got to avoid the farming, stuff like that. There's a lot of wild animals out there. I'm sure there's rattlesnakes. I've never Yeah, there are. I've heard a couple but... out there. And the other thing, too, is you come across the farmers, and farmers don't like it when you trespass it on their land out here. They, they no, do not appreciate don't... that at all. 
you know, and, and, and it's not like Idaho people, you know, have very many guns out there. Yeah, we don't. Sarcastically, we don't, we don't know. There's, yeah, we don't have any out here. But anyway, um, anyway, well, let's start wrapping up, man. Do you have any tips or words of encouragement for the uh, listener out there that you are willing to share? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the biggest things is you're going to miss stuff. Um, you know, that's part of uh, aviation spotting, aviation photography. You are going to miss stuff, but let that drive you to get stuff later on. You know, it, you know, if, if we got stuff every day, if it was easy, you know, it probably wouldn't be as fun, but that's what leads to the excitement is, is how, how hit or miss it can be. Like, you know, you and I have had so many misses, you know, like stuff at McCarran, like we missed the A. The Sands A340. By 20 seconds. Uh, yeah, you know, stuff like that, you know, it it, it kind of feeds your hunger. You know, it, it, while, yeah, you'd love to get all those uh, misses but uh, or get them back, you know, it kind of feeds that hunger where you want to get more, you know, get it the next time or, or you want you kind of mentally prepare yourself, you know, where you want to be the next time to make sure you're in at the optimal spot. Um, that, that's one thing, like, at Salt Lake, there's so many different, variations as far as like if depending on the light depending on the approach you know you have to be mentally prepared like hey what am i going to do so i can get the best light on that shot and and that's kind of what you you have to kind of mentally prepare and i I actually like that part a lot it's like a problem solving you know trying to figure out exactly where you want to go where you want to be and kind of formulate the shot you know even though you know more often than not it doesn't really turn out as great as you expect it um but uh, it's really, I love that challenge. Um, also, as far as like, you know, prop blur, like I'm still working on trying to improve my prop blur. That's something that, uh, you know, I'm, I'll constantly always be working on stuff like that, working on my technique, trying to get better. You know, you're, you're going to start at one level and you're going to, you know, wish you were, you know, above that, you know, where other people are. Instead of letting that frustrate you, just let it drive you, you know, get better. Yeah, that's really well said, Chris, definitely. And, um, you know, these opportunities will happen again, but it just increases your passion. So next time it comes in, you're, you'll be ready for it. And, you know, I think you worded that, worded that absolutely, absolutely perfectly. So where can, uh, the listener find your work at, um, you solemnly upload to places as I noticed, but I know you just started an Instagram. We'll get to that in a second, but, uh, do you have like a Flickr, a Facebook page or anything like that? Uh, I just have my my normal uh, Facebook page, you know, just my personal page, Chris Cagle. Um, I do have a lot of my older stuff on there, even though, like you said, I, I don't post a lot. You know, I've got a lot going on, mm-hmm. you know, life-wise. Got a little five-year-old, you know, married, you know, work full-time. So, you know, not that, uh, you know, I don't have spare time. It's just a lot, a lot of time my spare time is getting used elsewhere. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's it's all good. You know, it's, that's a part of life, and I, I enjoy, you know... I, I I enjoy working on my photos. I, I get a lot of them done, but uh, just neglect to put them up. But uh, as uh, yeah, Facebook, and then I also have my Instagram. Yeah, you just started that. And what's your handle again, so the listener can find you? Shock Diamond Photo. Awesome. So definitely go check him out on there, guys, because you won't be disappointed in what you see. And Chris, thank you again for coming on and doing this really short notice. Actually, you know, we had a it's. With my chaotic schedule, as they all found out uh, last week, but you know, it's super nice that you agreed to come on really short notice and all that. And thank you so much for just being a good friend to me and you know, 
probably be one of my best friends in, in the spotting community and and you know taking all the trips that we've done together to for the love of aircraft so uh but yeah thank you again for for coming on yeah absolutely i appreciate you having me on and and same for you uh it's been great being a good close friend with you and uh being able to go on all of our adventures and trips and look forward to many more yeah here's to 2021 and hopefully <laughs> we might be able to go to an air show this year <laughs> next year yeah yeah exactly so all right man uh let's uh let's get out of here then all right have a good one guys i thought that was a great interview how about yourselves i thought that a spotting story about with me and jordan was absolutely hilarious and yes that actually did happen um we were ready to break that window we were that desperate and just thing he forgot to mention was the air show literally was starting at that point in yuma but how about spotting that illusion 76 in salt lake a Ukrainian Air Force One. I know you guys saw the photo. I posted the teaser of it. That's his shot. So, I mean, it's honestly one of my favorite shots that he's ever got. Well, again, Chris, thank you for taking the time out of your Sunday to come on and talk on this episode of the Aviation Spotters podcast. I thoroughly enjoy your support and your willingness to come on very short notice. Well, anyway, guys, this is the end of episode 12, and, you know, as always, like, share, subscribe, talk it over with your network, spread it out, uh, word of mouth, make sure to go give a like on the Facebook page, Aviation Spotters Podcast, give me a follow on Instagram, BOY Spotter, and Twitter, BOY Spotter, and as always, guys, if you know anybody that you think would want to come and talk aviation on the show... You know the drill, send me the profiles, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, email, askspotterspodcast at gmail.com. Well, anyway, guys, that's going to do it for me here on another episode of the FSP. And, um, yeah, can't wait to uh, see you guys in next week. And we're going to have another international guest. It's going to be pretty awesome, FSP, going out international. Until then, guys, keep those batteries charged and those cameras ready, and we'll catch you next time here on another episode of the Aviation Spotters Podcast.